0: WFYI podcast brought to you by Bloomington, Indiana, an American college town offering food and drink, college sports, outdoor activities, live music, cool art, and good times daily. Everyone is welcome in Bloomington. More information at visitbloomington.com.
1: What we're gonna do right here is go back. Way back. Back into time.
2: This is Butch Slaughter and you're listening to the Echoes of Indiana Avenue. Welcome to my neighborhood, the Avenue. I grew up here, and each week I'll be sharing the sounds and stories of the people that made the Avenue great. Welcome back to The Avenue on this week's show. We'll be focusing on the vocalist, guitarist and songwriter Lonnie Williams. Lonnie is one of the unsung legends of Indianapolis music. He's been performing on the Naptown scene for over 50 years, working with groups like the Sonic Sounds, The Show Merchants, The Diplomats, Jazzy Kaze, Cosmic Jones. Manchild, Shadrach, Rapture, and the Circle City Band. And Lonnie maintains a big presence on the Naptown scene today, performing with the popular R&B group, the Downstroke Band. WFYI's Kyle Long spoke to Lonnie Williams in 2019. During the interview, Lonnie was joined by two of his fellow bandmates, Rodney Stepp and Greg Russell. Let's join our conversation with Lonnie as he remembers his early years growing up on Indiana Avenue and recalls the influence of his father, Gaines Bethel Williams, a prominent guitarist on the Avenue during the
0: 1940s. Tell me a little bit about your background growing up in Indianapolis. Are you born and raised here? Yeah, yeah, sure. I was born yeah. and raised on the west side of town. Yeah. Lockfield what? Gardens. Lockfield, okay. Yeah. Yeah, what era did you grow up in? Um, like, what? when were you about, born? When did you go to high school? Oh, I was yeah.
3: born in 1950. Yeah. Uh, I went to probably every grade school that you could think of because my parents moved around a lot. He knows that. You know, uh, I went to school, started out at school four as far as my, uh, uh, you know, as far as, you know, my kindergarten years and all that. I started out at school four. It's called Mary E. Cable School Four. I don't even think it's there anymore. Then I went to school 24. And from school 24, I think that's when I went to school 41. I went to these schools in a row, 41, 42, and 43. I went to all three of those great schools. Then from school 43, I went to the high school, which was Shortridge High School. And went to where I, Ridge, that's yeah. Where I, yeah. That's where I graduated from. Yeah. And uh, uh, I guess you could say I got, I got interested in music because of Indiana Avenue. And I think a lot of us got our inspiration from Indiana Avenue because we were kids. I don't know if he did this or not, but I remember going down on Indiana Avenue with a friend of mine named, named Ronnie Collins. You know who you know, Monk. Me and Monk knew each other. In fact, I knew Monk a little bit before I met you, because he lived across the street from mm-hmm. me in Lockfield. And me and him used to sneak down on Indiana Avenue and listen to the bands play, because we couldn't get in. We'd stand outside and listen to the bands play. If we, if, they, if, they, if, they, if 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 it was clearance enough for us to see through the windows, we'd be sitting peeping through the windows at the bands to see who's in there. And that's what sparked my interest in music. You know. There was clubs from one end of the atmosphere to the next, if I want to really say it like that, you know. Clubs all up and down. And uh, we were like, I guess you could say we were like the, um, it was like the New Orleans of Indianapolis. You know how New Orleans, what is it, Basin Street? In New mm-hmm. Orleans, it's got clubs all the way from one end of, 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 mm-hmm. of you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Basin Street's got clubs like five or six blocks. Exactly. That's the yeah. way Indiana Avenue was back then, you know, before you know IU uh, took it over. And, uh, I mean, you could just start on one end, you know, and go in one club, and if you didn't like what's going on in there, go next door to the next club, go next door to the next, just clubs all the way down, you know. And uh, that's that's what sparked my interest in music, you know. Uh, Did you have a favorite band that you would go try to check out? Um, Not at the time, because I didn't know, I really didn't know who these bands were. You know, I didn't know what bands by name then, you know. Like I said, we were, man, we were probably... 12, 13 years old, maybe, at the time. We you know he's still kids running around and just knowing that I, we could tell that was live music in there by the way it sounded. And we could see guys, we look in there, we see guys playing guitars and the drummers, and we said, man, hey, this is cool, you know. But we knew we couldn't go in, so we peeped through the windows, like I said. And um, <clears throat> uh, the first time I got to see a live band play was in the Walker Theater, you know, and it was Billy Bond Upsetters. And Sensations. <laughs> that was the first time I saw a live band play. Hi, right,
1: everybody. This is Morgan Van Matthews, a focus for the upsetters. We got a new thing called Chitin' Up China. So I'm get up upset to play the music of train Up China. China. Right. right now, we're going to get our bass playing drummer to train Up China. Our bass playing drummer, train Up China.
3: We train Up China on the East Coast here. I got to go into Walker and hear the live band, and that that took my interest to another level. That's when I said, yeah, man, this is what I want to do. I want to play music, you know. The guitar part came in because of the fact that my father was a guitarist, you know. So I probably should have backed up on that, because really, yeah, tell he me about, my main inspiration. Yeah,
0: tell me about your father and anyone else in your family that played music. Yeah, my father
3: was my main inspiration, because he played guitar, which you knew that. What was his name? Uh, Gaines Williams. You Gaines know. Williams? Yeah. And
0: did he play professionally, or was it more um, of a hobby? For local.
3: Yeah. He, you local. Know, everybody on the avenue knew him, because he played with Jimmy Cole mm. on occasion. He played with, uh, um, what's that guy, he used to be a school teacher over at Attucks High School. Larry Liggett? Um, No, Harry Campbell. Harry Campbell, okay. Yeah, Harry Campbell played the piano. You remember Harry Campbell? I think he
4: was a music teacher. He was at 17. Yeah, he... He he, He was
3: a math teacher. Anytime he got a gig outside of the school, he'd call my father, you know, and he'd be the guitarist with him, you know, and uh, uh, it was Harry Campbell. There was a guy that played upright bass. His name was Bob Lamar. He played upright bass, and it was a guy that played drums. I can't remember what his name was now, but uh, they they had kind of a combo. It was more of a combo, like four or five guys, you know, and... uh, and they would practice at our house sometimes, and you know, and everything. And that that made me want to play more. And then when my dad would leave home to go to work, I would sneak in the closet and get his guitar out and play it, because <laughs> he had a he had that Gretsch. Mm-hmm. And he always told me he's don't touch my guitar, because <laughs> it was a Gretsch. You know, back then if you had a Gretsch or a Gibson, you yeah. had yeah. And he'd sneak, he'd go to work, and I'd sneak in there and get his guitar out, make sure I put it back the way it came in. Bling, bling, bling. I fooled around with it till I started to learn to card on it and learn to note, finger the notes and everything. And that would that would happen maybe two or three times a week to try to keep from getting caught. You know, my mother knew I was doing it, but she never told on. Me. <laughs> she never told on me. because she, she saw that I was learning to play it. And every time I do that, she'd, she'd be looking at the clock. She said, hey, "Put your daddy's guitar off." I said, "Okay, mommy. You know, <laughs> I okay, you know, put it back here. I wipe the fingerprints off, <laughs> put it back in the case, and put it back in the closet." And, and he never knew that I was sneaking his guitar out of there playing it. And uh, um, I, that went on for a while. You know, like I said, which that was my main inspiration before I started going on the avenue, listening to music, and all that. And um, <clears throat> I guess from there, it just all the bands started coming into play where i started to know who they were like the highlighters and uh, like i said billy bond upstairs was the first band i heard the highlighters and then i never really got to hear the moonlighters live till later on in life really I never got to hear them like i could hear them playing when we passed by the Pass. blue eagle uh-huh i could hear the band playing but i never get to hear them i never got to because the blue eagle was them guys are never kind of strict about you standing outside more so than the other clubs so to see two kids standing out there listening, they would have ran us off. So we just kind of walked past here and listened what see, we could. They you let know. us.
4: They let us stand out there. Yeah, they would run us say, off. When yeah, we, I don't know, know why. <laughs> like, maybe because Jerry's father was a Probably, yeah. was a fireman and yeah. they knew him and it was more of a Smith, connection. Yeah, you know, and all of them knew us.
3: Yeah, but I mean that was <laughs> like my childhood experience uh, as far as uh, my interest sparking my interest in music.
4: When did you get
0: your
3: own guitar? Oh man, <laughs> okay. I got my own guitar probably when I was probably about 16. I <clears throat> went to Sack Brothers down on the avenue. Uh, it was a music store called Sack Brothers. You remember them? No, I've never heard of it, yeah, yeah. music store. They had so much stuff, I mean, uh, uh, Step will tell you, there was so much, so many instruments in that place, it was ridiculous. Cause they had like, was it two floors of instruments? you go upstairs. Mm-hmm. Upstairs wow. you had a lot of orchestra stuff. You remember the, wow. the, um, the upright basses and the stuff. violins? I mean, full of orchestra stuff, and then downstairs there was a—you were all your most of your guitars were hanging up and everything. I mean, it was it was a grand music store at that time, you know what I'm saying? Everybody went there and bought their stuff, and they would they would give you deals, you know, if if they had a guitar in there for 150 bucks and you go in there with 100 bucks, you're gonna walk out of there with a guitar. <laughs> <laughs> yes they do. You remember Jerry? Yes. So I went in there and I seen this one guitar that I wanted, and. Uh, I said, well, I ain't got but like 100, I think about 110 or 15 bucks. And he wanted like $170 for the guitar. And he said, well, he said, I give you $170, you know. He said, that's with the case. I said, okay. I said, but I only got like 110 bucks, you know. He says, well, he said, I'll tell you what. He said, I give it to you for $100 without the case. I said, well, okay, I want the guitar. I ain't worried about the case. He goes, okay, write him up, Jerry. <laughs> Remember yep, yeah, yeah. he used to say that. Hey, that? He said, write him up, Jerry. Yeah. <laughs> up. I'm getting on the bus. I ain't got no car. I'm on the bus with a guitar, <laughs> with a naked guitar. It's not a case on it. And I got these people on there, like, there's a few winos and stuff on there. And they keep taunting me, you know, come on, man, play us this tune. <laughs> Man, I said, I'm just learning to play, man. I, I just bought the guitar. I said, I'm not good enough to sit here and play it. Oh, come on, man. We know you can play. Come on, play us a tune. They just kept messing with me the whole ride. I was glad when I got off of that bus, you know. Said, hey, you can play that thing. One guy, he wanted to see the guitar. I let him see it. And he got the janging on it. And people turn around looking at us. we sitting in the back. He hands it back to me. He said, he said you're going to sit here and tell us you can't play the guitar, but you got a guitar. I said, well, yeah, but I'm just learned. i just learning to play, so I mean, I, I can't play you a tune where you'd be satisfied with what you're going to hear. Okay, man, I know he's messing with us, ain't he? He's talking to me, man, he can play. I said, "Nah, no. I said, I can't really play, man. So I take the guitar, I go home, you know, and I walk in the house with it, and my father was there at the time, and I come in with the guitar, and he go, hey, where'd you get that from? <laughs> I sit down, sack, brother. What you going to do with it? Because he don't know that I didn't learn the... I said, well, I want to learn how to play it. He said, let me see it. So I handed it to him. He sat there. He plugged it in and everything. He was trying to see if it was any good. He said, "Okay, it's a nice guitar. It's a pretty good guitar. How much you pay for it? I said, $100. He said, $100? He said, where's the case? (laughs) (laughs) I said, said, well, they told me I had to spend another $70 to get the case. He said, they going to charge you $70 for a case down there? I said, yeah. Nah, that ain't gonna happen. Come on, let's go. We got in the car. (laughs) Wait a minute. We got in the car. He puts me we go in the car. I said, what you get ready to do that? He said, We going back down there. I said, Oh man, so we go back down there. He knows him real good. You know he went in there and got a case for that guitar. He only paid twenty bucks for the case. (laughs) He said he was trying to get you. He said, Here, now you got a case for your guitar. He paid twenty bucks for the case that they were gonna charge me seventy bucks for. He said, now you got a case. Like yeah, and I'll tell you all the time, you
4: think thinking you get a yeah. Deal, get the deal. Yeah,
3: all the time I thought I was getting a deal. He said the guitar was decent. He said, that's okay. You got, a, you got a decent deal. They yeah, should have gave you a case with it. I said, well, they didn't. You Do know. you remember what kind of guitar it was? Uh, Yamaha. Yamaha. It was a Yamaha guitar. for was guitar. Yeah.
2: If you're just tuning in, our guest this week is the Indianapolis soul singer and guitarist, Lonnie Williams. Lonnie has performed with many important NapTown groups during his career, including The Diplomats, a group of teenage musicians that became a local sensation during the late 1960s. Let's listen to the group's 1969 single, Humbug, a funky instrumental released on the Lamp Records label. Show us how to do Show us how to Look, this is what you do.
0: You get back on that left leg. Uh, yeah. right leg. Uh, do
3: it, you know? Yeah. Uh, oh. Do it. Uh, baby. man. Uh, uh, South uh, South uh. Bobby. Okay, now yeah.
2: watch it now. Watch it. I'm watching. That was the diplomats, with their 1969 single, Humbug, released on Herb Miller's Lamp Records label. Due to contractual issues with Lamp, the diplomats released their follow-up single under the name Jazzy Kazzy and the Eight Sounds. That record was issued in 1970 on John Terrell's Naptown Records label. Our guest this week, Lonnie Williams, sang and co-wrote both sides of Jazzy Kazzy's debut release. In this next clip, Lonnie is joined by Jazzy Kazzy keyboardist and bandleader Rodney Stepp. Let's return to our conversation as Rodney and Lonnie recall their years performing together with the Diplomats and Jazzy Kazzy.
0: When did you officially join the
4: Diplomats? Ask him. Rodney, do
3: you <laughs> I told
2: remember? you he
4: keeps up yeah. my bass better than me. Uh... Yeah, I was just sitting here pondering and thinking about the time because it was it was sixty nine. It was definitely sixty nine. It might not have been latter either. It might have been about the summer of sixty nine, because right after that, it, less than six months later, we recorded Young Girl, yeah, and Soul City. And because I was still in high school when that record was out, because mm-hmm. I remember the first day that um, Spider Harrison played mm-hmm. it on TLC. Jazzy Cassie,
3: and you know know what? You know what was funny about this situation, though, because
4: I had somebody ask me one day.
3: They said, "Who is Jazzy Cassie in the Eight Sounds?" And in reality, Jazzy Cassie and the Eight Sounds was really the diplomats, wasn't it? Yeah, it was the diplomats. We had to change our name. for some legal reasons. It was really the diplomats, you know. But I never told nobody that. Yeah, because I wanted people to still be trying to figure it out, you know? Because uh-huh. they thought it was a whole different band. Everybody that I knew, yeah. and they, they, when they heard the record, they said, Lonnie, who is Jazzy Cassie in the eight sound? I was like, well, it's, a, it's a band, you know? I said, listen to the record, you know? I never told nobody that that was really The Diplomats. You know? were, were you about 18 or 19
0: when you joined The Diplomats? Is does, Would that be about right? Within that age range, uh-huh. yeah. I, was yeah. Still,
4: I was still hadn't reached my 20s yet. Yeah, was and yeah, because yeah. yeah, he's a little bit older than I was. Yeah. A couple was, of years.
0: Was the Jazzy Kazzy name strictly for the record? Were you continuing to perform live we as the Diplomats, up, or did you s- totally switch the name no, over? No, we
4: totally switched the name. Yeah. <clears throat> and um, we started performing as Jazzy Kazzy in 8,000. Hated it. But that <laughs> he was... Hated it. Hated it, man. Because the Diplomats, was a that was a... It was a household name. It was. It was a household name. Couldn't Mm -hmm. record as the diplomats because of the group in Washington, D.C., so they had to put the ICS on it. Mm -hmm. So then we recorded as the diplomatics, and then when we got this one, Herb Miller wouldn't let us record under the diplomatics Mm -hmm. name, even though we wasn't signed to Mm -hmm. LAMP, but it, it became a, a another he just blocked legal you from issue, mm-hmm. continuing as, with that right, recording right. and,
0: and, entity. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. and
4: because we were going to NapTown label then next. Okay, because Herb hadn't offered us any opportunities to record again, and that had been two years. So you know he was having success with the Vanguards mm-hmm. and everybody else. So we got with John Terrell, and John said, "Hey, you know, I'd like to record a record on you." But when we got ready to, then we get this injunction: you can't rec- you can't use the name Diplomatics. What? Okay. So we just went crazy, and I liked basketball, um, and I liked the University of Michigan at the time, which is Jazzy Cazzy Cazzy Russell. Um, you came up with and, that name, didn't you? Uh huh, and um, and. We, you know, it was really a combination of things because y'all knew I liked basketball, too. And everybody kept trying to put me up front name wise in the group. And I really never wanted that. and, and I, I, Jazzy, I,
3: Jazzy Cassie was a ghost rider.
4: Yeah, it was supposed to be a ghost <laughs> rider. It was, like yeah. wasn't uh-huh. Nobody had that name. Nobody, nobody had, really was supposed yeah. to have a name, but I ended up J.C., okay? Mm-hmm. And then it was Forrest Live, and so I ended up, mm-hmm. people start calling me J.C., you know.
0: Just maybe six months after Lonnie came into the band, you guys recorded "Young Girl," mm-hmm. which you co-wrote, right, Lonnie? Yeah. So you guys immediately, it sounds like, started uh, connecting as writers
3: and started right, working on right. material. That's when yeah. we first realized. Yeah. Tell
0: it. me about that that whole process. Well,
3: that's when me and him first realized that we we could develop ourselves into a, being a writing team, because we did something that we put together a song that you know, this was our first experience. And, and we so we put together a song that actually made some noise, mm-hmm. you know. The, and the DJs liked it, you know. We got a lot of airplay from it. Uh, uh, you mentioned earlier, uh, Spider Harris. He loved us, man. You know, <laughs> he loved yeah. us. Yeah. And uh, uh, in fact, didn't he? Didn't he shoot that record down south? when not he mm-hmm. the one that actually mm-hmm. shoot, shot that record down south? Because that's where he was from, wasn't he? Yep. He shot that record down south in Chicago. I was shocked, man, when I seen like Chicago was listening to our song.
2: Let's listen to both sides of Jazzy Kazzy's 1970 single for Naptown Records. This is Jazzy Kazzy and the Eight Sounds with Young Girl and Soul City. that dial. Echoes of Indiana Avenue will return with more words and music from Lonnie Williams after this short break. This is Butch Slaughter, and you're listening to the Echoes of Indiana Avenue. Our guest this week is the vocalist, guitarist, and songwriter Lonnie Williams. He's been performing on the Naptown scene for over 50 years, working with groups like the Diplomats, Chazzy Cazzy, Rapture, and the Circle City Band. And today, Lonnie performs as a member of the popular R&B group, the Downstroke Band. Lonnie is one of the unsung legends of Indianapolis music, and his music has made an impact on many NapTown performers, including Kenny Babyface Edmonds. In 2019, WFYI's Kyle Long spoke with Babyface, and he recalled watching Lonnie perform during the 1970s. I remember always liking Lonnie. I don't know exactly what it was, but something was likable about Lonnie. I don't even
3: remember, I don't even remember what his style was, but something was cool about him. Yeah. Um, I just know there was something about him that I remembered um, that he stuck out to me.
2: During the 1970s, Lonnie performed with several local groups, including Cosmic Jones, Shadrack, and an early version of Manchild. But Lonnie's most significant project during the 1970s was Rapture, an all-star Indianapolis funk band led by Lonnie's former bandmate and songwriting partner, Rodney Stepp. In this next clip, Lonnie is joined by Rapture's band leader Rodney Stebb and guitarist, Greg Russell. Let's return to our conversation with Lonnie Williams as WFYI's Kyle Long asked Lonnie about his work with Manchild.
0: You were in the first version of Manchild, right? With Reggie Griffin. Is that true? Uh, what did you do after
3: Jazzy Cassie? Kind of borderline with Manchild because at that time, at that time, I think me and this guy here, at that time, because you, you were in Manchild for for a short period of time, weren't you? Yeah, but that was
1: after. Was way it after you? Was that that was Shadrack. that was after just, Shadrack? That that was right? after Shadrack and oh the, yeah, and the, you uh, was there. that's why I first knew you. Yeah, yeah, it was
3: after Shadrack, oh, yeah. and and what was the name of it? That
1: wasn't that? It
3: wasn't like even it. Manchild then. It wasn't even Manchild then. Yeah. It Black it, Funk it. Experience. I don't know what it was, yeah. but I, I, I was in there for a minute, but it was a quick minute because I was doing some other things, and you know, and I don't know what it was. I don't remember that. That was yeah. You were with Cosmic Jones, Manchild,
0: and then after that, Shadrack.
3: No Shadrack, I think Shadrack. Manchow first. Manchild first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then, was it Cosmic Jones. Jones and then Shadrack? Yeah. that's what I was trying to think of. What order it came in? Then Shadrach, Yeah, and like I said, that was kind of a short-lived situation too. You yeah, know? because Manchild was still trying to piece things together at the time when I was with them. They were still trying to recruit guys in and find out who who they wanted and who they didn't want and. You know, you know, they did
1: a Funk Incorporated thing, yeah, too. Incorporated thing. Well, yeah. yeah, they did
3: a Funk Incorporated thing, yeah. Funk with,
1: the, with the Bobby Wiley. Yeah, Bobby, Bobby Wiley. Wiley. That's sure why I say it
3: was kind did. of a, it was a whole lot going on at the time, where everybody was trying to find out where they fit in and what to do, and, you know, it was a whole lot going on at that time, so it was kind of hard to say.
0: And describe to me what kind of music you guys were playing with Shadrach in the early days of the group. Funk. It was funk. funk. Originals, yeah. covers? We did all, most covers. Uh, covers, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we did all yeah. covers. originals, yeah. Yeah, and what kind of clubs were you playing in generally?
3: Uh, well, it was like, let's say there were R and B clubs, R and B clubs, most, yeah, most that, 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 yeah, yeah most just, of the clubs that played. Did you R&B have like music. a
0: regular gig, gig though, anywhere?
3: We so yeah. an around. It was, back then, it was it was enough clubs around that would hire us. Yeah. till we would like it, would, it. We'd go in a circle. You know, we hit this club one weekend, and you know, all these club owners that that hired bands knew each other, so they would kind of keep an eye on where we where. Different groups were. They would hire at that time uh, bands like us and and. Uh, um, I guess it was man was manchego man. man was in and, oh and, yeah, uh, yeah, they had expressions. Yeah. You had so many bands. I was telling him earlier, we didn't. I didn't realize there was this many musicians in Indianapolis until I seen all these bands coming out. I was like, where are all these bands coming from? <laughs> expressions and you know, it was a bunch of bands, man. And they would just they would take us and they would from one club to the next. So every band realized the clubs that were hiring, uh, the uh, that that they could play at that, that were popular that people would fill up. Because people wanted to hear live music, we go from the Zodiac to the Mark IV, to the uh, what was that, Gordy's, to oh, everywhere. Uh, Night Flight. <laughs> you know, all these up and yeah. down 38th Street. You just mm-hmm. all these clubs would hire us. there it was a club called Dave's Lounge it was way out. I think it was Pill and Pike or something. Remember Dave's? That's well, we so, were yeah. the house band at the. Then we were the house Junction? band at the function function Junction Junction. Yeah, then point. there was the Demonstrators Club on Central. You know, which did we ever play in there?
1: Not as, I Shadrack, played in not there with Shadrack. another band,
3: but I don't think we yeah, ever played that was way in there before Shadrack. That was before Shadrack. I was in there with a band called Live and Living Color for a while, so, and that was the house band, you know, so... yeah. I know you're
0: bad with dates, but maybe Greg can help. I what? said
3: I'm the oldest, man, so you know, these guys, they can remember something. <laughs> okay, Greg, when they say something yeah. and it pops in my mind, I say, yeah, yeah, okay, that did happen.
0: <laughs> Greg, what year would you say Shadrack started? I want 76. Yeah, that's what I thought, yeah. Mm-hmm. 76. That's How, what I don't remember, yeah. dates. How did Rodney Step get in the mix? Of sh- I mean, he's told me his version, but how did he get in the mix with you guys?
1: Well, uh, from what I remember, I remember him coming there when we were playing. Mm-hmm. He'd come off the rope of spin, and he always come in. He had that sparkle jack. Remember that jacket <laughs> you had with, with the rhinestones and stuff in it? You know, and Trying I didn't, to intimidate I didn't really, people. Yeah, I didn't really know him then, but, you know, I knew of him. But, you know, when guys like that walk in the room, you know, had don't had know no A on, you had that way game on. You
3: don't know whether they're promoters or – Yeah, you
1: know, but I knew who he was, you know what I mean? So <laughs> – that uh you know that's that's kind of where that kind of started and like i said i that's where we end up meeting with him so uh we went on for quite a while because we were the house band there and uh i think what happened they got robbed or something like that and the club owner decided to close the club so when they closed the club That, they, them, 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 them two guys there, uh, Lonnie and Rodney got together, and that's when, well, it was still Shadrack for a minute, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 See, I didn't come along Mm. then. Mm -hmm. They had got together Mm. and started forming the band Rapture, which was Shadrack Seal. And I had went with another little group that was playing at the Zodiac. I was still playing down there, Mm -hmm. so they had had somebody else. So I guess this other guy didn't, didn't work out. So Rodney or Lonnie, one of you guys called me, and, uh, that's how I ended up with the group, you know. Shad, we were still Shad before we even changed the name to Rapture, you know. And it was crazy because when I got with that, it was a whole different ball game. Then, you know, it was like from there to there. Big know, band. I, I went down and rehearsed, and horn players blowing. You Big know, band. I'm like, what is going on here? <laughs> <laughs> you know,
4: and, uh, Earth was a fire. yeah, we you ain't know. Herman and yeah. Herman and We they <laughs> horn fired up.
1: The horn. I mean, fire, you had Harry back there killing. I like, man, what is going on here? I' I'm like, man, can I do this or what? you know, but being with them guys, they took me to a whole nother level. you know I mean, they could have said no, nah, you ain't good enough to be here, you know what I mean but they didn't treat me that way. I, they, I learned, you know, I, I listened, I learned, so my whole musical thing went from here to here because I, because of these guys. You know, and I would tell all young people, I said, if you ever want to get somewhere, you got to play with people that's better than you because that's the
3: only way you're going to be any good. And we were still in the process of, we learned from each other. Yeah, we still learned. You know, just being around all these musicians and everybody Mm -hmm. had ideals going, we learned from each other. Everybody kind of picked up, you know, some experience from each other, man. You know, I had to say that because that's really how it is, you know.
2: In the late 1970s, Rapture became one of the most popular bands. On the NapTown scene, packing local clubs like the Mark IV.
4: Nobody had the crowds that we had. Y'all, y'all remember the Mark IV? Y'all remember them Thursday nights when people oh, were man. wrapped around the building? Oh yeah. Coming at the club at six or seven o'clock for a show that didn't start till ten. Yeah. Do
3: you remember? Do you remember how, how how the the club owner was? It really messed him up when we left.
4: Oh, yeah, and called us back called from New he, 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 he Flew us he, back. Yeah, flew when he us brought back. us back. When we came back in
3: there, he let us run the club, remember? Yeah. He let us run the club. He let us <laughs> have the door. Yeah. <laughs> i was so glad to get, get, us, yeah, back he glad get he, us back in there. He He talked like he – if it, if we hadn't came back, he talked like the club was going to sink because we yeah. actually kept that club – every weekend we kept that, that club on its toes, man. We kept it back. Oh, we played – we played six days a week in there, didn't we? Sometimes yeah, we played yeah. every night. Monday you know, through Saturday. Monday through Saturday. So we kept it <laughs> packed every that night. That man made, he made a good, you know, he killing ran, off, he us, off, off us, man. Yeah, he he made a lot of money off us. So we, we were kind of his bread and butter, you know what I'm saying?
2: Rapture recorded over two albums of original material, but unfortunately, those sessions were never released. But in 2018... The British label, Super Disco Edits, issued a limited edition single featuring two Rapture songs. We'll listen to that record now. First we'll hear Let Me Put It In Your Ear, co-written by Lonnie Williams. And after that, we'll hear In My Life.
0: I was out now. In my life, in my life. I've got
2: to get you out of my mind. Yeah. It's so hard, but I've got to try. This is Butch Slaughter, and you're listening to the Echoes of Indiana Avenue. Our guest this week is the vocalist, guitarist, and songwriter Lonnie Williams. He's been performing on the Naptown scene for over 50 years, and we just heard two songs Lonnie recorded with Rapture. After leaving Rapture, Lonnie co-wrote and recorded a classic Indianapolis funk song with Paul Thomas of the Circle City Band. Let's return to our conversation with Lonnie Williams as he recalls his work with the Circle City Band.
0: It seems like you've done the majority of your work as a songwriter with Rodney. Is that correct?
3: Well, it's, yeah, that's the only time I've ever, ever written it. It is the it. only with time. that yeah. and, and with the Circle City Band.
0: Okay. With Paul okay. Thomas. Did you write some stuff with Paul Thomas? Yeah. Yeah, which, which City, songs?
3: Magic. Oh, you did? Oh, I actually, that's right, he's
0: told me that yeah. before. I didn't make the, con-
3: yeah. For yeah I wrote right. all the words to Magic. Really? Really. Paul Thomas came up with the hook. That magic from the sparkle there. He came up with that. But all the verses I wrote, Around it, you know, because he had all of that down before I even did the verses. And, and he came you, to me and, and said, you the voice. Yeah, he came to me and said, <laughs> Lonnie, can you because Paul Thomas wasn't a lead singer. He came to me. He said, man, I'm nerdy. He said, I got the I got the hook already out, already down in the music. He said, all I need you to do is come in and, and, and come up with some words in between the hooks. And that's what I did. I wrote all the words, you know, when it came to the, the lead vocal portion. And that's where that that's where that happened. Wow. And, you know, Wow you know, and I did the little guitar parts, you know, because he didn't have a guitar parts in there, but Paul did all the, he laid all the other stuff, you know, itself. Uh, I think the drums were, I think the drums were a drum machine, Mm -hmm. I think, and he laid all the other tracks itself, you know, he pieced it together, puzzled it together, and I came in and did the little guitar parts that you heard in the lead vocals, that was it.
2: Yeah,
0: so you've only written a handful of songs, but they're all songs that have a lot of longevity and had a big impact. They've got noticed, you know, Yeah.
3: yeah. From
2: 1983, This is the Circle City Band with magic. This is Butch Slaughter, and you're listening to the Echoes of Indiana Avenue. That was the Circle City Band with Magic, co-written and sung by our guest this week, Lonnie Williams. He's been performing on the Naptown scene for over 50 years, and he remains active on the scene today as a member of the Downstroke Band. Lonnie's longtime friend and bandmate, Greg Russell is also a member of Downstroke. Let's return to our conversation with Lonnie as he and Greg discuss their work with the Downstroke band.
3: Who actually called us back into this situation?
1: Well, actually, I came back off the road because, like I said, I got off the road in '96, and I was fresh off the road actually. Mm-hmm. And I think it was Goose that Gooch. called. I
3: think it had to be Goose.
1: Goose called because y'all had started forming.
3: Yeah, you know, we before were putting I could people either. together. Yeah, was, uh, Anthony Johnson from Manchow Yeah, Manchild. Bobby, Bobby Parsons, Parsons from drummer Manchild. from Manchow Yeah, um, uh, Martha, was, a lady named Martha, was playing keyboards. Keyboards. And uh, we were just kind of, kind of construct another, trying to put another band together, before we even came up with a name. I think. Yeah, so that's yeah. how that's, that's how, how that me and him happened. came yeah. back together. It was Gucci that you actually know. started calling people. You know? Yeah, that's how me and Lonnie mm. came back
1: together. Yeah. Mm. yeah, yep.
3: So yeah, basically that's where they came
0: from. And downstrokes like a super group of Indianapolis. Yeah, we kept uh, building, and building, too. And building
3: and building and building and replacing people here and there, and, and until, and, we, found until that, we found out we found you know the right that, nucleus, the,
1: the right nucleus to keep. Yeah. And like I said, we we been, had been together what twenty years, yeah. pretty much just uh, right. around here in town.
3: By that you know, time, by that time, I had kind of had a talk with myself, and then my family was all over me, you know. Man, what you doing? You need to get back out there and play some music, because they they knew I was what I was going through. You know, they could see that that I, they could tell I was missing the music because when I wasn't playing music, I was fidgety. You know what I'm saying? I, I couldn't find nothing to do. You know what I'm saying? But go to work, come home, sit down listen to music, put the headphones on, go down to the basement. I was fidgety, man. I was all over the place. And it was, my family kept saying, man, you need to get your butt. My sister was really on me. He could tell you that step. Frances was one of them people where yeah. we used to practice it. She's one of them people that would, she, she would really get, you know, She'd keep messing with you until she was like a bug. You know, she'd keep messing with you. I could be laying, I could be sitting on the, on the couch or something with the headphones on, and she'd come take the headphones off of me and say, when you going to start playing music again? <laughs> she was like that. She was a bug, you know. And, and, and she, you know, she was one of them people that that always, you know, she always uh, enforced things when it came to, to me and my music. You know, she was always in my corner when it came to the music, you know. And then once she met Step. And we started rehearsing at the house and everything. You know, you know, that was that that made things you know go a little further. You know, and that made me get more interested in wanting to play music again. But with the Rapture deal, I mean, with the uh, Downstroke deal, you know, after like I said, after my family kept getting in my ear and then my girlfriend kept getting in my ear, why don't you do something before you go crazy? That's when I said to myself, I said I got to sit down and have a talk with myself and decide: Do I want to do this again? Do I want to be in another band? And when I started seeing who the guys were that were trying to put it together, when I was saying, okay, we got some guys from Manchild, you know, and you you came along later, didn't you? I came along later. And, and I said, let me see what's going to happen. When I heard Bobby Parsons was going to be there and A.J., which was guys I respected from them being in Manchild, and then when Gooch called, I said, okay, let's yeah, – okay, I'll give it a try. But I had to make up my mind that I was going to do this and not get frustrated again because of one person. You know what I'm saying? And that's, that's what pulled me back in, and I kept my – I tried to keep my, my – myself on a level where I was going to keep moving regardless, you know, of what happened with other people, you know, and just ignore whatever other situations were going on and just focus on, you know, staying with the music. And that's, you know, to this day, I guess that's what keeps me going now, you know.
2: All the time we have this week. Thank you for tuning in. And thank you to our guest this week, Lonnie Williams. You can meet me here on the Avenue again next week, same time, same place. And you can find the Echoes of Indiana Avenue podcast on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you download your podcast. Echoes of Indiana Avenue is written and produced by Kyle Long and hosted and co-produced by me, Herman Butch Slaughter. Nobody knows on Uptown, baby like I do, do, nobody knows on Uptown. Listen, I will tell you a thing or two, two, when you get lonesome and want